Welcome to Next Gen Now with Rudina Cesare. Your inside track to technology, innovation, and the startup world. Rudina bridges listeners with the brain trust of the business world, speaking with early adopters and industry-leading innovators. Each week, she gives you a backstage pass to the people designing, building, and marketing the companies, products, and services of the future. Now, WebmasterRadio.fm presents Next Gen Now with your host, Rudina Ciceri. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rudina Ciceri, partner at Fairhaven Capital, and I invest in early stage technology startups. You can follow me on Twitter at Rudina11. And for those of you who don't know, that is R-U-D-I-N-A and the numbers one and one. I welcome you our listeners, to this edition of Next Gen Now. Today on the program, we will talk about the evolution of social marketing tools and platforms and where we are headed with my guests of the week, Jim Anderson, CEO of SocialFlow. Jim has more than 20 years of experience developing, productizing, and selling both B2B and B2C technology solutions. Previously, Jim was the COO of Vitru, where he was instrumental in building the team, products, and customer relationships that led to the ultimate acquisition by Oracle. Jim, welcome to the show and thanks for being here. Thanks, Regina. I'm happy to join you. Lovely. So why don't we start with the basics? What does SocialFlow do and where does it fit in the broader social marketing landscape? Absolutely. So the commercial usage of social media is broken, uh, quite honestly. You've, you've got too much content competing for a fixed amount of consumer attention, and you've got practices and technologies from two or three years ago that haven't adapted quickly enough to the reality of where we are here in June of 2015. Social flow makes social media perform better. We provide technology solutions to media companies, to marketers, to their agencies that ultimately help them reach the right people with the right message at the right time. But aren't social networks all about friends communicating with each other or my expressing myself to another person that follows me? It's interesting that you speak of an audience while the mainstream thinking is really Facebook is my broad circle of friends and followers and that want to hear what I have to say, but it's a one-to-one relationship. At least that's been the perception today. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's a common misperception. If you look at the dominant commercial usage uh, use case uh, on social media, it is as a broadcast medium. And that's not to diminish the fact that there can be authentic conversations that we as individuals who use social networks, we like to connect with our family, our friends, we follow certain media outlets, we connect with individual brands. Those are all true. But if you look at the dominant use case, it's actually as a broadcast medium. And even as an individual, if you look at how you use social media and how you communicate, with the absence of things like Facebook Messenger, or with the exception of things like Facebook Messenger or Twitter direct messages, almost all of what you do is a broadcast. You have maybe 500 friends on Facebook. You put a message out, and some percentage of your 500 friends will see that message. And pretty clearly, both for individuals and especially for commercial use cases, that is the dominant use case. And, and I think people would do well to start considering social more through a broadcast lens than simply through a one-to-one lens. So, and if that's the case, and you use the term broadcast quite a bit in that answer, what are, you know, brands are spending a ton of dollars on social across Facebook and Twitter and increasingly Pinterest and whatnot. They're trusting that 
decision to broadcast to community managers, aren't they, who are usually nothing against them, but younger, in their mid-20s. And this was making the decision as to when this broadcasting by a brand occurs. So let me make that a little bit more concrete. So if it is a consumer products brand and they're pushing content out in the social channels, that decision is being made by a fairly junior person. If this is how they're relating to the, this new digital world, isn't that a concern? And how should one think about the decision-making from such a junior individual, at least typically? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that is a great point. And I think that's one of the things I mentioned that hasn't adapted over the past two or three years. Originally, when, when brands started getting on social, and by and large, that meant brands getting on Facebook, because that was the, the first big uh, sort of commercial move to social media, uh, they hired brand man- they hired community managers to be the voice of the brand. And I think that's wonderful. I'm, I'm actually a big fan of community managers. I think they very much understand you know, the social networks on a very uh, native, what do they call them, digital natives. They very much understand it in a way perhaps the more experienced marketers uh, don't and, and maybe still don't, uh, didn't at the time and still don't. But that what they haven't done is adapted to the fact that the reach has gone down significantly. We all know that Facebook has adjusted its algorithms to favor the content that's getting more clicks, right? And that usually now in 2000... Money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's coming from media companies is the content is generating the clicks. And so if you're a brand and you're in there competing with things like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Time Inc. content, you're going to have a very difficult time competing without adding your dollars, right? So that organic reach for brands has plummeted over the past 18 months. At the same time, the organic reach for, for media companies has gone up significantly. And so the marketers now have realized, I think, it, it pretty well across the board that if they are going to have a place in the social conversation, they're going to have to pay to do that. And ultimately, that puts you into the world of media buying more than it does in the world of community management. So you've got a disconnect between the reality of what's happening on social networks in 2015 and perhaps the teams and the infrastructure that the marketers built to deal with that starting, you know, maybe in 2012 and 2013. And wasn't the thinking, though, in large part um, by marketers and honestly, a lot of startup companies uh, two or three years ago, then brands are now becoming publishers. And we saw this conversion of brands and publishing where a lot of organic content had to be created. If Facebook, which in fact Facebook with one algorithm change, many would argue killed the organic side of content generation um, by brands, at least in posting it on their channels, does the notion of brands that have become publishers no longer hold? Do brands well, need it, to create any organic content for social anymore? I'm going to answer that question second. I want to go back to the point you said about Facebook with one algorithm change essentially kills organic reach because I think that's a very common perception and I don't want to split semantic hairs but I think it's very important for people to understand that what Facebook did is it changed its algorithms to favor the content that was creating the most engagement. And so it's really individual consumers with billions and billions of individual interactions choosing what they want to see and, by extension, choosing what they don't want to see. And and that may sound like a subtle distinction, but the reason I want to call it out is I think it's really important if you're a brand marketer to not confuse yourself or kid yourself that, in fact, your consumers are out there really dying to see your content if only Facebook would let them. The, the reality is they're not because when your content is presented in the context of other content coming from media companies and other sources, they're not choosing that content. They're not interacting with it. They're not sharing it. They're not clicking on it. But what happened to the 
democracy or democratizing uh, content. If I am a small brand just emerging today, there is no way I will have the reach that um, some other brand or publisher for that matter, the extreme, but some other brand that has existed for 10 years will have by virtue of I'm just now building my brand. And on top of my needing to uh, grow my audience and go in front of, if you will, um, Facebook followers for them to actually discover my content, a new barrier has been added onto me as an emerging brand because Facebook has put me at a disadvantage because of course people won't follow me. They don't know who I am. So Facebook has favored the Goliaths and absolutely undermined the emerging Davids. No? No, I don't, I don't think I agree with that. So I, I think, number okay. one, coming if, if I launch a, a new brand today, let's say it's a soft drink brand, and I want people to know about my brand, and I want to have a, you know, a sort of a reach and, a, and an impact the same way that Pepsi-Cola does, well, I'm not sure that's a very realistic expectation on my part, right? Just because I started today does not mean the world knows that. You've got to build your brand, whether offline or online. And I think Facebook and, more broadly, Twitter, Pinterest, other social networks will allow you to do that. And, and that doesn't mean you can do it for free, and that doesn't mean you can get all of the same advantages and, and you reach you may be, have been able to get back in, say, 2010 if you had started then. But I think that's a, as much a function of the maturity of the platforms and the maturity of their user bases as it is a conscious choice of the platform. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, the point I am trying to make is in 2012, a younger, less uh, well-endowed, you know, financially brand had a better chance of having its content and hence the brand existence discovered in advance and it does now because now it's a pay-to-play game. So let's talk about that. You asked the question earlier, you know, should should a brand still create content? I, I'm actually a huge fan of content marketing. I think brands should create content, but I think they need to have very realistic expectations. You know, I can think of a handful of notable consumer brands that have really been super successful with content marketing. And and it, oftentimes when I try to do this, I can't even fill up one hand with the numbers of, of, of companies. So I think of companies like Red Bull, which is an energy drink, but, it, you know, they're launching people for, from outer space, for goodness sake. <laughs> Doing a phenomenal job of transcending their position as, a, as an energy drink and become a, a real phenomenon and a content marketing powerhouse. On the B2B side, General Electric does a lot of wonderful work in terms of using their big industrial assets and creating content, visually appealing content and otherwise that's very interesting around that. But after those examples, I'm, I'm not to be disrespectful to some others who are doing really good work out there, I struggle to think of a lot of examples of companies that have been super successful doing it. It's, it's hard to create content, especially content that's going to engage with users. And typically, brands are not set up, geared, and don't have the governance or, or frankly, the DNA to do that on a broad scale. So with that, Jim, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with you around what are the emerging trends in social marketing. Next Gen Now will return, staying ahead of the technology curve, after a word from our sponsors. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. We're back with more Next Gen Now, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Rudina Ciceri. Welcome back to Next Gen Now. I'm Rudina Ciceri, and I'm joined by Jim Anderson, CEO of Social Flow, and we have been talking about social marketing channels and tools. So, Jim, we left the discussion at the point where, while some brands have really done creative content generation, and you mentioned Red Bull that had the need to go into outer space to draw all of our attention, although I have to say that was one of the most successful publicity stunts, a lot of other brands don't are not geared, was your, I believe, your statement, to actually create content. So what happens? Do they just have to go through the traditional media spend, take a TV ad or a digital sort of web ad and purposes, purposes either for mobile, which is where a lot of the engagement adventure takes place, or for social? Um, is that what they're left with? Well, I'm not sure it's an either or, right? I'm not suggesting by any stretch that brands shouldn't invest in in content creation. I think most brands, at least if you're doing consumer marketing and, and of course, B2B marketing is is very content intensive, I think you should be doing content creation. I'm just advocating that you have a realistic expectation as to what you can accomplish. I think a lot of people look at media companies and then specifically publishers within media companies and say, well, okay, their business models have been disrupted. Some of them, you know, are are struggling, you know, with with their growth path. They face a lot of disruption from everything that happened starting with the internet back in 1995 all the way up through what's happened in social social media you know 20 years later uh, and because they have had disruptions in the economic models that underpin them that somehow what they do must be easy so oh wow I'll just go do that myself and I think that's a very inaccurate interpretation media companies create content at the risk of stating the obvious and you should as a brand uh, or as an advertiser leverage that content in multiple ways. And and the concept is, of course, not new. It's called advertising, and it's been around for more than 100 years. So, Jim, are social channels then just another venue for the same type of engagement? Because we've seen it in broadcasting, whether it was radio and then TV. We saw it in digital, where we're having all the digital ads, whether they're display or rich media or video, intertwined with the publishers. And now, basically, we're sort of going back to the same thing. It's just a new 
channel truly for doing so, which is really social and more specifically probably social mobile? I think, yes. I mean, it is. I don't want to underplay the potential of social, and I think it's inaccurate to say it's just another channel because it, <laughs> it is another channel, but it's one that has some very unique dimensions and options to it because it, it functions differently, and it can work very well in conjunction with your other marketing channels, right? That doesn't mean that, that TV or radio or other forms of digital or email or those things go away necessarily. It's really all about the mix. And so I think as a marketer, you need to be thoughtful about how social fits within your overall marketing mix, especially here in 2015. And what I said earlier, I think is, is very much true. There's a lot of thought processes and, and programs and practices that were put in place starting back in 2010, 2011. And, and in some senses of the world, that's not really very long ago, right? We're only talking about four or five years later from, from when the earliest social activities, commercial social activities were going on. So the speed at which things change, Pinterest and, and it coming on the scene, what's going on with Snapchat, et cetera, I think that's one of the things that marketers are having to come to grips with is the sheer agility you have to show to be able to keep up with the changes of the platforms. And, and by the way, that shows no sign of decreasing. That's probably the most unusual thing. And so it does tend to suggest as a marketer, you need to have a much more nimble set of strategies and an ability to respond and, and move to what the current usage of social is, not just what it was a, a few years ago. So on that note, we've been speaking a ton about the role or the engagement between brands and Facebook and other social channels, no pun intended on that term engagement, but the role of media. Facebook, less than a month ago, announced uh, sort of a new focus on media and publishers. What is that all about? Well, I think it's it's very smart on Facebook's part, and they're not the only ones to have recognized as, uh, among the social networks out there that media companies are incredibly important to what they do. Uh, you know, you'll see slides out there, you know, in various in investor and analyst presentations saying that Facebook is the is the largest media company on the planet, yet they produce none of their own media. And I think that's a great way to to look at it. Are they the new Comcast and the new, you know, Fios of this world? Well, I'm not sure that, that I want to go that far to make that <laughs> comparison because we're talking about a very different world. And, uh, you know, there are some similarities in that Facebook has a relationship with the end user, just like Comcast or Fios does. But uh, I think the, the sort of customer relationship and the expectations that consumers have from Facebook are going to be very different the, from what they have from their, their TV cable company or, or Internet provider. So I, I think that analysis is useful in terms of thinking about content distribution because I know where you are going mentally with that is if I produce content as a, as a TV media company and I need it distributed, then somebody like uh, Comcast or Fios, uh, you know, those represent the systems and the, the channels on which I deliver that content. Increasingly, that world, of course, is being disrupted by, by Netflix, Netflix yep. and exactly and, and Hulu and, and all of these other forms of online viewing. So I think the whole media ecosystem in some ways is being turned upside down in terms of traditional models. But it, it is disruptive, and I don't mean to be cavalier uh, or dismissive of the real impact and, and disruption that has on, on businesses and, and on people, but there is a tremendous amount of opportunity there because at the end of the day, consumer attention is one of the most valuable commercial commodities out there. I can't sell you something. I can't get you to click to buy or convert or pick up merchandise in a store and, and buy it if you don't know that I exist. 
exist. And so I think there's a lot of focus on analytics as well there should be, but perhaps too much focus on the last stage of of purchase, which is the click to buy or the actual conversion. A lot of marketing activity is and should be directed at higher uh, spots in the funnel. If you want to go back to the traditional marketing funnel and upper funnel marketing activities, which is where social media usually falls, are are very, very important to building brands and ultimately uh, building the awareness and intent to, to purchase a particular product or service. But on that note, are there actually, well, I mean, I was going to make a negative statement to say the biggest accusation against, if, if there was such a thing, against social uh, channels and social networks is they, they really don't convert and a like, uh, you know, or a favorite on in Twitter lingo doesn't necessarily constitute in true engagement. But before I even uh, put that forth, are there social channels that perform better than our others? Is Twitter better than Pinterest? Is Pinterest better for a brand than Facebook? How should we think about this world, at least in, well, in, in today's terms? How has it sure. evolved? Sure. So the first thing you have to do is define what you mean. And I say you by being, a, say, you're a marketer listening right. to this. What do you mean by performance? I mean, if you want to know what performs better means, you have to define that. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples here. So Twitter is really unmatched in its ability to convey real-time information. You, you hear people live-tweeting events. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say, I'm live-Facebooking an event. And, and that's not a criticism of Facebook. It's just a reflection that if you want really in-the-moment, instantaneous uh, sort of a live stream of information, you tend to think of Twitter. And so I think Twitter is a great place if, to, to go if you're trying to get that type of, of experience and, and information flow. Facebook is, of course, the most dominant social network in terms of size, uh, users, overall reach, and, and I don't know of any consumer marketer who thinks they can ignore Facebook. So that certainly is important for many reasons. And then Pinterest, who has really come on the scene increasingly of late, is it tends to be more aspirational and forward-looking. Uh, I think they like to say that you know Facebook is what happened in the past and Pinterest is what's going to happen in the future. And I think that's an interesting position statement, positioning statement. And I, they certainly have a lot of ability to ultimately drive that direct response offering, tying into people's catalogs and ultimately surfacing, especially visually appealing merchandise in a way that people will consume and then ultimately will want to buy. Pinterest probably has the most potential, at least in the near term, to, to really get that transactional component going, although I suspect Facebook would would, <laughs> would argue that perhaps uh, they or through their, their uh, sister company, Instagram, have that potential as well. I wonder what Zuckerberg would have to say about that they're the company of yesterday. But um, I do want to come back to the notion of do social networks actually perform? And maybe we'll focus a little bit on Twitter given recent events. But before we do that, let's take another short break and we'll continue with Jim Anderson in a few. Next Gen Now will return staying ahead of the technology curve after a word from our sponsors. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. 
Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. We're back with more Next Gen Now, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Rudina Ciceri. Welcome back to Next Gen Now. I'm Rudina Ciceri, and I've been talking to Jim Anderson, CEO of Social Flow. So, Jim, does Twitter, as a representative perhaps of other social networks, actually perform? And does it perform both on the engagement side and the sort of ROI that marketers want and also on its own performance? I mean, we just um, recently had the announcement that the CEO of Twitter uh, was forced to resign. Whether that's the case or not, we can all speculate. But um, what's the story? Is social networking truly a viable channel? Uh, I think absolutely it's a viable channel. This, this idea that social doesn't perform, I mean, I can't say categorically it will perform for you if you have a specific marketing campaign. I've certainly seen campaigns that have not been very successful, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or, or any other social network. So there's no guarantee of success in social any more than there's a guarantee of success in any other marketing channel. I think what I would say, though, the, the deeper question that I think is, is underpinning this is that whole ROI question. What's the return on investment for social media? And I've had I don't know how many conversations with marketers over the past five or six years on that topic. And ultimately, the question I ask back to, to them, if they ask me the ROI question, is, well, what are you trying to accomplish with social? And you can learn a lot with that one question. And if the answer is, well, I'm not really sure, I think I've found your ROI problem right there. I'm not <laughs> sure what you're trying to accomplish. If you have a really clear idea, I want to sell more merchandise, well, then that's great. But in order to sell more merchandise and to get some signal-to-noise ratio, if you're going to spend $27 in paid media on a channel and you want to sell more merchandise in Omaha, Nebraska, I'm not sure you have a realistic you know, a correlation there. And ultimately, the analogy that comes to mind for me is television, right? Television is a very upper funnel type of activity with the exclusion, exception of infomercials, which occupy a very special place in most people's minds and hearts. Uh, most commercials... Uh, which amounts to zero for me, but keep going. Well, I, special can mean whatever you want it to. I, uh, uh, w- with the exception of those things, most television advertising is very upper funnel, but the thing that television has been so successful at, and it, it ultimately took them 40 or 50 years, is building up the history and the scale to show that if you put a sizable amount of your marketing investment, your advertising investment in television, ultimately you will increase the unit sales of your products. And I think yeah. the CPG companies, the food 
food companies have all understood that. Social very much has that promise and premise that if you scale it up, and I think Facebook is clearly the farthest along in that, that if you spend a significant sum of money to reach a lot of people with high-quality messages, you can ultimately move the needle on sales, which really, if you're a marketer at the end of the day, that, that's the thing that matters most to you, almost certainly. And that's what we all, as marketers, want to get to, but it's hard. It's a little bit of a chicken or the egg. You can't get the scale unless you can get the proven performance. You can't get the proven performance without the scale. So that's what we all have to work to do, is spin up social to the point where it really can compete on that big stage with other forms of, of scale media investments. So on that note, we've talked about media players, we've talked about brands, we've talked about the channels, we've talked a little bit about consumers. Let's sort of hone in a bit on the role of marketing tools like social flow. Where is your value proposition and why should you insert you know, yourselves, i.e. on behalf of your companies, in this whole channel? Well, I think it's, it ultimately goes back to you're, you're spending a lot of time, energy, money, passion of your, your talented employees creating content. And we, we covered that earlier. I think that's a, right. a good uh, idea for you to do as long as you have realistic expectations. But ultimately, you're treating the distribution of that content almost as an afterthought. I will tell you that's mostly what marketers are doing now. They're relying on their community managers to schedule posts and get them out into the ecosystem just like they did two, three, four years ago. And the problem is, is you're having increasingly less effective results. I guess that translates to decreasing results over time is you're doing the same thing, but you're getting worse and worse results. And it's not a reflection of your content per se. It's a reflection of you need to change your strategy. So at Social Flow, we're all about delivering the right message to the right audience at the right time and using data-driven algorithms to help determine when content is actually going to resonate with the consumer. So that's ultimately where we fit in the value proposition. And what we tell marketers is we can, we can dramatically improve and increase the ability for you to actually reach the audience with your content that you spent so much time and energy preparing. So it's interesting because when I speak to um, different individuals in the industry, especially in you know early stage venture, our general perception is that social marketing tools and, and platforms, but really mostly tools, it's become a really crowded space. And of course, you get this landscape pieces from um, researchers which have like 20 to 30 players in the space and you worry about it. Yet you also look at the facts that marketers are spending generally on marketing tech, you know, on software buying, probably 5x the amount of dollars that CIOs or CISOs, chief security officers, are spending on security. Yet the race for investments in security is much, much faster and no one perceives it as being a crowded space while it's one-fifth the side. And the race for social marketing tools is non-existent. Is that an incorrect perception or why do we think it's a smaller market or is it that it's so crowded that invariably a lot of the players will fail and we shouldn't invest any more money? Yeah, I don't know that it's as, uh, certainly as crowded as maybe some people perceive it. There, there are a lot of companies doing a lot of things, but I, I view that as a logical 
function of a very dynamic and changing space. And I suspect when people look at the space, part of what they're conflating is the number of different companies doing different things with just the overall rate of change. You know, Pinterest is growing and introducing huge new capabilities around advertising. Snapchat has come on the scene in a way that I'm not sure any of us knew Snapchat existed two years ago. Who knew, knows two years from now what's going to be on the scene? And of course, Facebook, I think, will still be you know, very important to Instagram, uh, Twitter, et cetera. They all have their role in, in the ecosystem, and that role may shift and change and grow and shrink just depending on the market dynamics. But I think that the fact that things are changing so rapidly is part of what creates the confusion that causes people to look at the space and, and just frankly be overwhelmed. And, and they're as much overwhelmed by the underlying rate of change than they are by the specific vendors or, or marketing solutions providers that are out there. Um, one final question is we're almost out of time. Jim, where will we be um, 12 to 18 months from now in this space? Um, pull out your crystal ball and give me a couple of thoughts as to where you project the entire um, you know, industry to be at. Well, I think a couple, a really safe bet is that the social channels, so the platforms themselves, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, et cetera, will prioritize the user experience first and foremost, because without that user experience and the user base, they've got nothing. And I call that out specifically. It might sound like a little bit of an obvious point, but I think a lot of times marketers, myself included, just wish that they would make it easier. Why can't I just come in, capture everybody's attention to accomplish my commercial objectives, and then I'll move about my day and they can go on with theirs. And, and of course, if you stop and think about it from the consumer's standpoint, we as consumers don't like intrusive experiences. We don't like marketers interrupting our day to accomplish their objectives. And so I think it's pretty safe to bet that it's not going to get easier from a marketer's perspective to just use what I will call brute force to accomplish your objectives. You're going to have to be more clever. You're going to have to be smarter. You're going to have to use technology in a better way, data in a better way, and ultimately rely on partners to help you accomplish your results rather than just assume that the platform's going to make it easy for you to insert a dollar and capture X minutes of, of consumer attention. Got it. So marketers have to be smarter, more data-driven, and more technology-driven. I want to thank you, Jim, for being on today's show. That was Jim Anderson, CEO of Social Flow. I'd also like to thank Brasco, my producer, for another great show. And of course, I thank you, our listeners, for partaking in this edition of NextGen Now. New episodes of NextGen Now air every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. If there is a topic you'd like for me to cover, please tweet me at rudina11, that is R-U-D-I-N-A, and the numbers 1 and 1. I'm Rudina Ciceri, and I look forward to speaking with you next time right here on NextGen Now. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.